is Digital Marketer. This week we have Sunny Lenarduzzi. Cool. So, how are you? How's it going? I'm so good. How are you? Good. Is Vancouver super cold right now? Vancouver is rainy and wet, but I wouldn't say it's cold. And I mainly don't say it's cold because the rest of the country will make fun of us. So. <laughs> okay, yeah. In Austin, I think it's like 37 degrees out. And I was like, oh my gosh, my car has frost on it. This is crazy. <laughs> it's nuts. Yeah. It's so cold. I have one fleece that's like, it's so warm. I'm like, this is actually not for Texas. I should never. You might have that one day where you're like, this comes in real handy for me today. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's whatever. Um, so yeah, I can't help but notice you're great at YouTube. Thanks so much. Yeah. I don't know if you ever heard that before. Never. Um, take me back to like the beginning. Where did Sunny Leonard Ducey get her start? What happened? Yeah. So it all kind of started from a really young age. And I feel just very fortunate that I am alive in a time where the internet exists because I was able to really choose my own path. And so when I started my career and even when I was a little girl, I knew that I wanted to be in broadcasting. That was like my the all end all goal. And I was like, I want to do what Oprah does because I watched her every day. And I was like, look at her job. It's so cool. And so that was kind of like my North Star. And I was like, if I could talk for a living and help people educate, inspire, entertain, like that would be amazing. So yeah, basically I was like, I want to be in broadcasting. That was really the only path that was logical at that time because YouTube wasn't a thing when I was a kid. So um, basically I started going into that. I I was an actor when I was in high school and like elementary school, didn't really do much with it and didn't really like the idea of having to be somebody else. So Mm. I went into reporting and went to broadcasting school right out of high school and ended up getting a job before I graduated in radio and loved it. And I was like the evening host and I would do traffic and weather. Um, it was for the small station. And then from there, I kind of went into TV. And my big goal was to report at the 2010 Winter Olympics. And so wow. I was like, if I can do that, I've made it. And so I got a job reporting at the 2010 Winter Olympics. I lived in Whistler for two weeks. And it was one of those moments where in my head, I was like, check, did it. I did the thing. I've made it. I'm so good. Um, but I also was so young at the time. I was like 21, I think, wow. 21 or 22. And so ironically, it felt really good logically in my brain. But then in my gut, in my heart, I was like, oh, I don't know if this is actually what I really want to do. Mainly just because I had an idea of going into broadcasting as being something that was going to be very creative and liberating and that I could tell the stories I wanted to tell, how I wanted to tell them. And that really wasn't how it kind of panned out. I was sort of being told like how to do things, what to wear, how to write, all of these sort of rules. And I don't really play well with boundaries and rules. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it got to a point where I was like, I don't know if this is for me forever. So I started exploring other options. And actually, when I was driving home from the Olympics, I decided to start my own business with like zero background in business, zero idea of what I was doing and just decided to build something online, which again, this is in 2010. So like 
Instagram didn't exist. It was just Facebook and Facebook was still kind of just for like college kids Mm -hmm. and YouTube and Twitter. And so I used those three platforms and I didn't have any like backing or money to do this magazine. So I just used organic methods to build an audience and I did a pretty good job at it and built up an audience for it. And all these other companies started to take notice of what I was doing. And they're like, what are you using? And I was literally walking door to door in Vancouver selling advertising space. So it was basically like a boot camp in business. It was wow. like sales, marketing, all the things, completely bootstrapped, completely like figuring it out on my own. And I loved it. And I was like addicted to that rush. <laughs> and so I didn't make much money at all, but I learned so much about building a business, particularly online before a lot of people were even thinking about building a business online. So from there, because so many people were interested in what I was doing and how I was doing it, I got hired by a bunch of companies as a consultant and also as like actually managing their social media for them. So I was doing everything from setting up the platforms for them to daily management. And I was working with up to 10 clients at a time. And It was across the board on all social platforms. So I did that for like four or five years, completely solo and loved every second of it. My business grew by word of mouth, but then it just got to a place where basically I hit a ceiling and I was like, I'm one person and I can't keep working with all these people without burning myself out. Mm -hmm. So out of pure desperation one day, I decided I was going to make a video for one of my clients, for actually a few of my clients who were all asking the same question at the time. They were all asking about Periscope and how to use it. Periscope. And I was like, okay, <laughs> right? Throwback. Um, so I was like, okay, I'll do a video on it in my little tiny apartment and just use my window for light. And I had like an $80 webcam and I'd never used it before. <laughs> so I was like, I'm just gonna plug that in and see how this works. Made the video and prior to this, I had pitched a series to Hootsuite to do like social media education. And so we did a series with Hootsuite. We grew their subscriptions by 75%. And I was the host and like the writer of the episodes. So I did that and I was like, huh, light bulb. There's a lot of need for social media education, which I'm sure you're aware of. (laughs) Um, And so... I basically took that and kind of applied it to my own channel after that series ended. And I was like, let's see what happens. But really, I just made the first one because my clients needed an answer and I couldn't get on the phone with them or go to more meetings. So I was like, I'm just going to answer you all at once. And then thought nothing of it because they didn't really have any subscribers, didn't really have an audience. And then the next day, I had like 2,000 views on the video. And I was so confused because I didn't intend for 2,000 people to watch that video. If you watch it, you'll know I didn't intend 2,000 people to watch that video. So it really was this sort of like tipping point, I guess, where I realized the power of search on YouTube and that if one person's asking a question, there's probably hundreds, thousands, if not millions of people around the world also asking that question. And because YouTube is a search engine owned by the largest search engine in the world, Google, like, that's the place to be. If you can just create your content to show up for the people that are looking for you, you're bringing in sales, leads, new customers, new clients every single day. So within a year of doing that, I went like four or five years solo with my little consultancy, never building a brand, never doing anything online, started doing YouTube and it just blew up. In that first year, I grew from like tiny, tiny, tiny little consultancy under six figures a year to my first multiple six figure year, built a team, hired my first employee, launched my first digital product because there was such a high demand to work with me, grew my list like ridiculously large, (laughs) stupid. And all of it was because of leveraging YouTube. And so it really was this amazing 
process where I was like, oh my gosh, if you know how to tap into this and you have the right formula, it's this like evergreen machine that just constantly is building your income. It's building your audience. And it's also helping you impact people in a way that you aren't able to do one-to-one. So that's the very long answer to your question of like how I got (laughs) here. And now I'm really fortunate because I get to basically use my own story and my own experience. And I've now applied it to over 6,000 people all over the world through our programs and seen them grow in like every different vertical. So it's not just in like business building, but it's in like everything like mental, emotional, financial, doesn't matter what they're doing or talking about. We've helped people grow across the board. And that's been the most rewarding part of this trajectory in the last couple of years. Yeah. Wow. So we're going to have to cut all that. So I just need one sentence answer. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do that. (laughs) Just kidding. No, that was beautiful. And like what I find so interesting about kind of your start is that it was just a solution. I feel like so many people are getting on to these platforms because they want to blow up. And you were just like, I need a way to get out information to multiple people. And like, you were still serving someone, you know what I mean? It came from a place of serving. So I find that really interesting and very different to what a lot of people are doing. Thanks. And I think like, I really, I I don't know. I always say I'm like the Taylor Swift of online marketing, you know, (laughs) whenever she wins an award, she's like, what me? Like, (laughs) oh my God, because I do, I genuinely still feel that way. I'm just like, I still can't really grasp that this is what I do for a living because it's so rewarding. Mm -hmm. And I really think that the only way to last is to come from a place of service because the money and like the following And all of that stuff really doesn't mean too much if you're not actually doing something that is fulfilling a greater purpose. And so for me, I think from day one, it was more focused on helping rather than like trying to be this like influencer. And I still to this day don't really see myself as an influencer. I still just see myself as someone who is really dedicated to helping other people show up because I think that's my legacy. And and I always talk about the fact that all I'm trying to do is build a legacy business so that when I'm gone, it can live on through all the people that I've affected while I was here. Mm -hmm. That is lovely, by the way. Yeah, I love that. I think a lot of marketers, especially on the digital marketer, like space, they can get, you know, they're a little wary of, of social and, you know, they go into social or don't go into social thinking that it has no impact on the bottom line. You know, and I, I think you found incredibly the very opposite of that. Uh, 100%. And I don't know if that's because I think the greatest sort of advancements in anything are born out of like pure necessity <laughs> and having your feet to the fire. And so I think for me, when I started playing around with social media, when I first started my first business, it was just really for me because I was a one woman show and I was just sort of experimenting with it. And I do think that that's a really smart way to start just because you are able to see what works and what doesn't. And the platforms are changing so much all the time that it's so important to just like constantly experiment so you don't get stale and you're not like falling behind in the algorithm. But I think the thing that I've realized is like, there are so many ways you can use social media. And 
you can absolutely use it to strictly play to your ego and to strictly try and gain vanity metrics. That has never been the way that I wanted to play it because honestly, I find that like too much pressure to keep up with. (laughs) I just don't like being perfect all the time. And I don't want to have to spend like eight hours posing for a photo and making it look the right way and all that stuff. That's just not my game. But like, I respect the people who do. And I have a lot of friends who are like in the influencer space specifically, and they only do brand partnerships. And I Mm -hmm. like, I look at what they do. I'm like, that is hard work. For me, I've always used it as like an impact platform. And I think that I look at people like, it's, it's kind of a funny comparison, but if you look at like Jane Fonda, who I am obsessed with, <laughs> she's just amazing. And she is now using Instagram and she is really only using it to drive impact. And she's doing these fire drill Fridays and basically getting arrested every Friday. Right? <laughs> she wants to like prove a point about climate change and political issues. And it's amazing. the impact that she's having, the eyes she's opening. And another person is Leonardo DiCaprio, who like is this famous actor and could absolutely use social media to play to his vanity and his ego. But instead, he's using it to educate people about, again, climate change. So I think it's how you choose to use it. And that's what you're going to get out of it. If you choose to use it to play to your ego, you're going to attract more people who are just there for that reason. If you use it to drive impact and for your business, you're going to have a more focused audience for your business. So I kind of like over the years after making so much content for so many different people and in the beginning getting hired by people to do their social for them when social media wasn't really a thing. So I had to prove my ROI. So I remember just getting started and I actually got hired by It was a company that was making organic greens in like urban city centers and they had just started and they were trying to get into restaurants. And so I had to prove the ROI of it by getting them in the door Mm -hmm. because they didn't have a salesperson. So I, as a social media manager, was basically doing it all. So I had to literally track every week and be like, this is how many restaurants I reached out to. This is the engagement that I got. And these are the restaurants that you now have booked calls with or booked meetings with to get in the door. So I think because my feet were to the fire and I had to prove it from day one, I've always looked at it as like, what's the ROI of what you're sharing? Mm-hmm. And so I, over the years have kind of, I guess, come up with my own little acronym of like how to create content. And I call it profitable content because I really think that if you're not using social media to get some sort of a return, it doesn't have to be monetary, but a lot of business owners want it to be monetary. Then I'm not really sure why you're using it. And I think there's a lot of bad information out there about like posting every day. I actually got tagged in something last night where I was like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> the person was like, this is what I should be doing. And like, this is my calendar for the next month. And it was like eight posts a day. (laughs) Why are you doing that? Like, what is the point? What is the point? And I'm sorry, you can't be doing eight posts a day and actually have them be good Mm -hmm. or meaningful unless you have a team of 50 people behind you helping you do that. Um, And also, come on now, nobody needs to see that much of anybody. Um, So my thought process on it is I basically create an acronym for when you post content, it should be expert content. So educate needs to educate people in some sort of way. It needs to display the fact that you have experience in what you're talking about. It needs to solve a problem or like transform from A to B. It needs to have an execution plan so people can actually take action on it. It needs to be relevant to your ideal client's actual pain points and create a solution for them. And it needs to have something that brings together like a take action, call to action item at the end so that they know what to do with that. Because if you're just giving them the the information and they're like, hey, thanks, bye, that's not helpful to you. So it should be like, go to my website, book a call with me, whatever it may be. So you actually get 
a return off of that content as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love bringing it down into like the real, the nitty gritty, like here's, here's the action steps on that end. You know, I've heard you talk about the keyword volume on YouTube and like searchability and using it a lot like Google. Cause it is Google. Um, <laughs> so when you take that aspect and you move it to Instagram, it kind of changes because Instagram isn't owned by Google and it's not really for search. So Mm. how do you become discoverable on Instagram? And I've watched your Instagram grow like significantly since I first started following you. So I know there's something going on. Yeah. (laughs) What is your secret? So I did a video on how I post Instagram and I think people thought it was fascinating because it's so much more than just like throwing up a photo. And I'm also like full transparency. I'm such a nerd when it comes to social media. And so like I do learn, like I, I'm constantly educating myself on what works and I like experimenting. I like seeing what works and what doesn't. So I basically found this like secret sauce of how to post to get max amount of reach. And the funny thing about my Instagram is that there's a couple things. I actually made another video on my YouTube channel about how I grew my Instagram without posting because I post like want to say once a month, maybe (laughs) on my feed. And then I use my stories more regularly, if not every day, like every other day, usually. But I wouldn't say I'm using my stories in a super strategic way. But when I do post, I post to get the maximum amount of reach so that I can continue to grow my following when I'm not even posting. So another key to that is honestly, because I have a YouTube channel that's highly searchable and discoverable, people from YouTube are constantly finding me there. And I have my social media handles in the top left corner of my videos and particularly uh, Instagram. So people are going from YouTube to my Instagram and it's growing on autopilot every single day by like hundred plus. So that's been a big key to it as well as like just the posting strategy on the platform. But a big part of it for me is when I post Instagram and definitely I highly recommend watching that video because it breaks it down thoroughly. But when I post Instagram, I use like a mixture of a bunch of different techniques to drive urgency to get people to like it because you need to get the max amount of engagement in the first 30 minutes to an hour on Instagram in order for it to pick it up in the algorithm. Whereas on YouTube, you have to do it in the first 24 hours. So you have a lot more time, but Instagram is that first 30 to an hour. So basically I will put the post up. I'll write the caption, everything ahead of time. I have notes in my phone with a bunch of different hashtag combinations for different themes of posts. So like one is like entrepreneurship. The other one is like mindset. The other one is YouTube marketing. And so then I have hashtags all related to that. And they're like a bunch of different mixtures of hashtags. And then I just pop those onto the post. I post it on my feed. Immediately I share it to my story with the top four most popular hashtags related to that category as well as the location that I'm in. So that becomes searchable Mm -hmm. as well on the Instagram story. And then I put like click here to drive my story audience to that post. And then when people go to the post on the the first 30 minutes, like I'm not doing anything for the first 30 minutes, except for being in the comments. So I will write back. I will write like big comments back in the first 30 minutes. So more of my audience sees it and it ends up on the popular page. So even more people see it outside of just my own audience. So that's kind of like the basic recap of how I do it. But I'm just very strategic with how I post it. I'm very intentional because I don't like wasting time. And this has all come from learning too. Like I would say the other thing that I found really interesting in doing my own experiments on Instagram in the last year is I think about a year ago, I was at like 40,000 followers on Instagram. And today I'm at like 121,000. And 
a big piece of my growth was figuring out what worked like for me and for my audience. And Mm -hmm. I used to do like these like really pretty photos and like have the presets and the filters and the editing and all the things and like make them look perfect. And one, it was more work for me Two, It didn't feel relatable. And so I kind of just had a breaking point where I was like, screw it. I'm just going to post photos that are unedited, unfiltered and very real. And see how that goes. And so that's what I did. And I combined them with more educational, longer form captions and my growth skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only that, but like the engagement has skyrocketed as well. And the other thing that I've used to really grow on Instagram too, is that one of the biggest factors to the algorithm is relationships. And so when new people follow me, I spend like five to 10 minutes a day, just direct messaging with voice notes, videos, texts, and saying like, Hey, so happy you're here. What do you want to see? Starting conversations because that triggers the algorithm too, to be like, Oh, this person's actually engaging with their audience. Like we should push them further because their audience is actually responding back and they actually care about the content. So we're going to push their content more to those people that you're responding to in the DMs. So it sounds really basic and simple, but I think YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, no matter where you are, relationships are the things that are going to grow you further faster and that build that more momentum for you as well. Yeah. I mean, I think it sounds simple. Like in your head, you're like, oh yeah, of course, start conversations. But it's honestly something people aren't willing to do. Um, Totally. Not because they're like, oh, that's so dumb. Screw doing that. They're like, well, that sounds hard. (laughs) Like that sounds like a lot of work. But you know, it's a lot of work to get ROI and you have to work to create those relationships. One follower could equal one client. And I think we've gotten really caught up in having numbers and forgetting that those numbers are actually real human beings. And so you forget that having a conversation with just one of those people could turn into your next client or next customer. And that's really important. So I'm a big believer in going deep with my audience as as opposed to trying to go wide. Because just trying to go Mm -hmm. wide and just trying to get the numbers in the long run will hurt you. Because if you're just trying to rack up numbers and vanity metrics, your engagement's going to dip because those people aren't actually super invested in what you're doing. So one of the things I saw this year come up so much was those like circle contests where like, you had to like, like this person's post and then like all these other people. And then like, and it would grow the accounts a lot, but it would grow the accounts with followers that weren't super engaged in what you're talking mm-hmm. about. So then when you posted a new post on your feed, you're getting like a one to 2% engagement rate. And for Instagram, they're looking at you being like, well, you have all these followers, but none of them are actually engaging with your content. So your content must suck. So therefore we're going to kind of like put you down in the algorithm. So mm-hmm. that hurts you in the long run anyways, too. Yeah. It's funny because we have an Austin influencer that I follow who just eats everything and has the most amazing Instagram, a taste of cocoa, if anyone cares. (laughs) Um, but you know, she'll do contests and stuff. And it's like, I'm interested in sometimes following the people that she partners with, but I don't always want to follow travel Albuquerque. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, totally. I think that's the thing is like, you also have to understand that there's layers to the people that are following you too. And that's why it's really interesting to talk to people, (laughs) (laughs) which sounds like so funny to me because I'm like, what a novel idea to actually have a conversation with a human. (laughs) That's strange. But it's, I really like talking to people because then I can understand like, where do you fit in to the spectrum of the people that are in my audience? Like, are you Mm -hmm. here because you're just like, 
a looky-loo and you're just interested in like who I am as a person and like a personal brand, or are you here because you're like, I need help with YouTube. And the more you can understand that, even on a one-to-one level, the better your content is going to be as well. Mm -hmm. What are some interesting ways as you've grown across YouTube and Instagram that you've seen your demographics shift or the interest? I feel like it's fascinating because (laughs) I think now I have a higher audience of of Mm looky-loos, meaning people that are just there because they're like, what do you do? Like, how do you, how do you do this? But I kind of look at it as like, uh, funnel because you're like, okay, those people are in the top of the funnel. And so I make some content just for those people. And it's more broad content because they don't really know why they're there, but they eventually could become a client or a customer. Mm-hmm. So that's like my broad content. My middle tier content is kind of like talking about things that again, are slightly more broad than like this that you use YouTube to generate leads for your business. Because if I'm talking about that, that's for my like leads that are going to turn into customers because there's a very small percentage who like actually really, really care about that. But it's my most profitable audience as well. And then the middle audience is more like personal brand, how to get more views. Like this is how you use Instagram. So they're still like beginner-ish, but they're mm-hmm. they're aware they need to be using social media for their business. Yeah. So they're like right in the middle. And then I just sort of warm up those first two audiences to become the hot leads. And that's kind of how I approach it now. But my audience has really shifted sort of, I would say, to more and more of that like beginner phase. And they're just slowly Mm -hmm. trickling through to becoming like hot leads and sales and all those things. Yeah. They're kind of going from being brand aware to problem aware. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. So let's look ahead at 2020. Well, I think we're going to be in 2020. So (laughs) I won't say it like that. But When we look at trends in the type of content you post or the type of engagement across YouTube and Instagram as well, is there anything that just doesn't work anymore and anything that people should start doing? I would say the biggest thing that everyone should start doing if you're not doing is really look look at your analytics because I can't really say there's like a trend across the board because I'm not in everyone's accounts. But I will Mm -hmm. say for myself that the more and more I looked at my analytics this year, and I would say that I looked at them the most that I ever have, the more I grew. And so one of the trends that I saw on my own content, my own channel, which is like so interesting to me and would have saved me so much time if I had just tapped into it earlier, is that I started my YouTube channel with a window and a webcam. And I did that for like a while. I hit 50,000 subscribers with a window and a webcam and editing my videos in iMovie. And then as I like grew, I was like, okay, I need to get fancier. Like I need to have like a nice camera, a nicer set, all these things. And we actually at one point were filming in a multi-million dollar set here in Vancouver. And it was like crazy. And we had a whole team and a crew and all that stuff. And when I watched the content, I was like, ooh, this doesn't even feel real or relatable at all. Mm -hmm. And we noticed a dip in qualitative and quantitative metrics. People were like, "Mm, I don't really dig this, et cetera. So I listened and slowly but surely, I've just sort of like scaled everything back. And I'm now back to shooting in my apartment with like a very minimal setup and still use that same webcam, the $80 webcams for a lot of my videos. And I'm now at close to 400,000 subscribers on my YouTube channel. So I think it's really for me, the thing across the board, same thing happened on Instagram, same thing happens really across the board for me 
is that the more real, more relatable the content is, the higher I see the engagement and the more real the relationships are that I'm building and the more invested people are becoming in what I do and wanting to work with me. Because I think we've hit a tipping point in the online space where we're all really, really sick of seeing the Lambos and seeing the perfection and seeing these like highly edited and filtered images and videos. And we just are craving real. We're craving people that we can look at and be like, oh, I see myself in you. Mm -hmm. And I think that hiding behind perfect everything is a great way to sort of like hide yourself and your message from the world as well. Even though you feel like you're doing it right because you're, you know, it looks the right way you're actually not going to reach necessarily as many people because it doesn't feel relatable at all. So I know for me that I kind of hid behind perfection for a while because it was really scary to take away like all the things. And now in the last year I took it all away and I was like, Oh, this is way better (laughs) and way, way (laughs) way less work for me as well. Yeah. 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 yeah, Exactly. So I think, I don't know if that's a trend for everyone, but I will just say for me, it is a huge trend, but I would say moving forward for anyone look at your analytics, pay really, really close to your metrics because the fastest way to grow on any platform is to figure out what content is working best for you and do more of that. Yeah, man. Just on that note, even looking at like famous YouTubers like Shane Dawson and, you know, those kind of YouTubers, if you go back in time, you know, you see their dip and you see a lot of the reason they got famous is because they were like just these kids being silly and being real. And as they continued to do that, the engagement dipped. And I think it's because they became adults yep. and that's not real anymore. Like we don't care that you're trying hot Cheetos. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. Yeah. And I think that also goes back to like how you build your audience. Like if you're really intentional from day one, even if you have an audience of a hundred, but you're making content for a very specific group of people, your engagement will be so much higher than trying to do like trends or viral strategies or any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And it always will come back. Like it always comes full circle and and your audience evolves as you evolve. So you have to evolve with your audience or else they're going to get sick of you and they're going to outgrow you and you just become sort of like a phase. Yeah. Oh, what a quote. (laughs) Yeah. So what's new for Sunny? What's on the horizon? What are you working on? Um, we are just really focused and we have two programs and we've, we've minimized to that. And we had our biggest year ever last year. And we are really just focused on our clients and getting them the best possible results. So that's my main focus right now. I really don't have much else going on, like just client focused, results focused, and yeah, having the most epic success stories with our programs that are revolving around YouTube, but also revolving around how to build a business organically with social and just like doubling down on all of that. Yeah. That's super refreshing. <laughs> no launch, Thanks. no book, nope. just, no launch, no book. Just, like, nope. just still doing my thing yes. and like taking ass You know what? It. And I think like, that's something that I talked about this year and I, I made a video actually called once I figured this out, I became a millionaire and it was about focusing on one thing. And I think in a very noisy world, like at the end of the day, you could put all of your money in paid advertising. You could have a book. You could go on a speaking tour. You could be doing live events. You do all of the things that people are telling you to do. But if you aren't actually getting results through what it is that you're sharing or teaching or getting people to pay you for, it's going to be short-lived. 
So I think for me, I realized that the more results my clients get and the more success stories we have, the longer I'll stick around. So eventually I can do those things and actually have an audience who trusts me and wants to help me and wants to like support me when I have something bigger going on that they need to support me with. Mm-hmm. That's so huge. Yeah. I love that. So kind of circling back to the very beginning, yes. I'm pretty sure your like degree of connection with Oprah <laughs> is like at one it's at this point. <laughs> when are you going to meet Oprah? I mean, I met her. Um, you met Oprah. I met Oprah. Yep. I met her this year. So that was exciting. Also, oh my like, gosh, what a year. It's been a, it's been a year. It's <laughs> been a wild year. Yeah. Yeah. I met Oprah in Vancouver. She was here for a speaking engagement. And I was like, well, you know what, world? This is it. Sunny, take your chance. Yeah. So it's also really <laughs> strange because I'm not like, I've only revealed small portions of the hippie side of my personality. Um, mm-hmm. But people seem to really dig it when I do. And I honestly was so scared to like talk about all of these things about like vision boards and manifestation and all that and law of attraction. But I started kind of chatting about it and talking about it. And this whole Oprah thing is because of it. I actually made a vision board. Like, I don't even know how long ago now I made it, but I made it and Oprah's face was on it. <laughs> and I also had like the Coliseum in Italy on it because I'd never been and I'm a half Italian and I've always wanted to go. And just some other things that weirdly all came to fruition. And so we ended up going on a three-week trip to Europe, my now fiance, <laughs> we engaged, oh, thank you, uh, my fiance and I, and saw the Coliseum, all these things. I was like, that's amazing. The week before we were coming back from Europe, or the week before we were going to Europe, I'm pretty sure, Oprah announces a Canadian book tour. And she's coming to Vancouver two days after we get home from our Europe trip. And I was like, pardon me, did I just predict this? <laughs> um, and yeah. so we come home and my mom and I went, we, we met her. And it was like the most epic moment of my life. I kind of blacked out, but she yeah. ended up repeating <laughs> what I had said to her twice on stage. And there were people there who like didn't know the story, hadn't heard it, and were like, and were messaging me, being like, she's talking about you. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I I know. I'm just over here dead in the corner. It's fine. Like it was insane. Yeah. I, I, she, I went in and I kind of was like, you know what? You got 30 seconds with this woman who has literally shaped the trajectory of your life. Like make the most of it. So I was like, hi, this one for you. I just wanted to say, I wouldn't be who I am today without watching you growing up being truly who you are every day. And I'm just really grateful. And she was like, well, what do you do? And I was like, well, i help entrepreneurs share their genius with the world and help them be their own boss. And she repeated it. She was like, Oh, I really should like be their own boss and like share their genius. I like that. And I was like, Oh, it's never going to remember this. And then I walked (laughs) away in a daze. And the best part is (laughs) if you go to my Instagram and you find the photo, it is the worst photo I have ever taken (laughs) in my entire life with anyone. And it's epic. So it's me and Oprah and I'm making the funniest face because she asked me a question as the photographer took the photo. So I'm like mid sentence as the photo is taken. It's so bad. It's such a bad picture of me, but it makes it even better. Cause I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I made the most of it. I said what I needed to say. I didn't like black out and not say anything at all to her. And that was all I needed. So yeah, I've met her yeah. and it was just as glorious as I anticipated. She was like the most present human being I've ever met. Mm. Wow. Wow. And also, can I just say, I think it's much better that Oprah asked you a question. <laughs> she wanted to know something about you and you were answering than just like you smiling. Totally. With totally. So 
Oh my gosh. Well, you're done. Yeah. I'm, I'm literally, I was like, I was like, I don't want to say this out loud, but like I could die now. <laughs> like, yeah. I can, I'm like, good. Goodbye. Bye everyone. Good night. <laughs> I've done everything I wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. It's your, it's the new Olympics. Olympics yes, part two. Exactly. So, and yeah. I said, I was like, okay, I know this picture is awful, but like, I'll get a redo one day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I almost like, I was tearing up. A little bit. About She's amazing. <laughs> She's my favorite person on the planet. I just love her. She's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sonny, this was just such an awesome, awesome interview. I'm so glad that we got to chat me today. Too. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Before we like, kick you out. I have a question, but before I do the question, where can people find out more about you? Where can they find out how to be their own boss yeah. and share their genius? Yeah. So you can go to youtube.com slash sunnyleonarduzzi. I've got a whole library of videos on there. And then you can go to sunnyleonarduzzi.com to learn more about everything I do and how you can work with me. Perfect. And final question. We asked this of every guest on their first time on the podcast. If you could go back in time, and tell your 25-year-old self or whoever you were when you were just starting this journey, anything at all, what would you tell her? Your worth is not determined by your work. That's what I would tell her. And I think you can breathe knowing that just being who you are is more than enough. Mm. So many, like that question. (laughs) Oh, that was beautiful. Thank Thank you. you. Well, everyone that listened, or no, not everyone, you, right there. You. That listened. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for a part of your day. Love sharing these things with you. Loved having you on, Sunny. Thank you. And we'll see you same time, same place next week. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, DM listeners, if you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up, because Digital Marketer just released our Canva holiday promo pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The promo pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates.